Psalm 134, page 616. It says, Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. This morning we come to uh, the final psalm in the Psalms of Ascent. Uh, for those who have been with us this summer, uh, we, you know we've been going through this sub-collection of psalms within the broader book of psalms. It's called the Psalms of Ascent. It's Psalm 120 to 134. And, and these are all psalms that, that, that kind of uh, are um, around the theme of the annual pilgrimages that the ancient Israelites made to Jerusalem. And so every year, actually three times a year, the Israelites were supposed to go to the temple in Jerusalem and worship the Lord. And there were these collection of psalms that were around that as people would go up to Jerusalem. That's why they're called the Psalms of Ascent, that you're, they're going up to Jerusalem to worship. And we come to Psalm 134, the final one in this series. And um, I don't know, when I first read this psalm, I, I was a little bit surprised. It seemed a little, uh, dare I say, anticlimactic. We've been building, we've been in this psalm series, and finally we get to the end, and we have this short little uh, coda of a psalm. Uh, it, you know, I, I don't know what I was expecting. Maybe I was expecting something more like at the end of a fireworks display, you know, it's the grand finale, and then they, they shoot off all the fireworks, and you're like, woo, this is it. And I thought, you know, maybe that's what Psalm 134, the last psalm of a sense, would be like, a big long psalm with lots of words and lots of imagery. But instead, we get a wicked short psalm, three short verses. In fact, I believe these three verses are shorter than the other really short three-verse psalm, which is Psalm 131. And so, so the whole thing wraps up in, in kind of a quiet manner, it seems. And, and so as I first wrestled with this psalm, I, I sort of thought, you know, is that it? Um, but the more I've dug into it, the more I've looked at this psalm, the more I think, yeah, that's it. This psalm, the more I've looked at it, is a fitting conclusion to the psalms of ascent. This psalm, I think, wonderfully wraps it up. Uh, in fact, I would even go further. Uh, hopefully this doesn't sound too grandiose, but I would say this psalm, psalm not only wraps up the psalms of ascent, but in some ways this psalm tells us what the whole pilgrimage of the Christian life is about. You could argue that this psalm really tells us about the meaning of human life. I mean, how, does, how grandiose does that sound? But, but the more I looked at the psalm, the more I've just been amazed. Because in a very few words, in a very simple way, it's a picture of why we're living this Christian life, what it is we're aiming for and moving toward. So this is what I want to do this morning. I want to spend the bulk of our time, most of our time, looking at the content of the psalm. I want us to go through these verses, and like we do every Sunday, break it apart, pull it apart, talk about it, analyze it, apply it. But then at the end, after looking at the content of the psalm, I'd like us to then look at the context of the psalm. In other words, let's then see how does this content fit within the flow of the Psalms of Ascent. Or in other words, I want to ask that question again, why is this a fitting psalm to conclude the series in the context of the whole Psalms of Ascent? So we'll start with the, con- with the content. 
Let's look at what's in this psalm. Let's look again back at Psalm 134. And the key word in this psalm is found there in verse 3. The key word for this psalm is bless. May the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. That's the key concept, is the Lord blessing or blessing the Lord. Now you may say, how is that the key word? This only occurs one time in the psalm. Aha, that's where you're wrong. If you go back to verse 1, do you see where it says, at least in this translation, praise the Lord? The Hebrew word is actually bless. Okay, same word. Or look down in verse 2. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary, and the Hebrew word is bless. And then, may the Lord bless you. So it's bless the Lord, bless the Lord, may the Lord bless you. So that's actually the other key word is the Lord. The Lord and blessing. Blessing the Lord and the Lord blessing us. So there is uh, what one commentator has called, he entitled this psalm, the circle of blessing. I like that. The circle of blessing. The first two verses is a command to bless the Lord. The last verse is a, a prayer or a wish that the Lord would bless the people. So if we can use our sanctified imaginations again, as we try to do sometimes when we're reading these psalms, imagine us among the worshipers in Jerusalem. Imagine that we've come to the temple of God. Perhaps we're at a, an evening service. It seems that this is happening at night, worship, ministering by night in the house of the Lord. Maybe we all have candles or lanterns, or we're standing in front of the temple of God. And maybe there's some worship leader. Maybe it's one of the priests. Who knows? Uh, but, but he stands up and, and he commands the people, bless the Lord, lift up your hands and bless the Lord, bless the Lord. And then he, he addresses God and he says, may the Lord bless you. And, and so the, the people are, are there celebrating and anticipating and participating in this circle of blessing where we bless the Lord and the Lord blesses us. So let's then take the two halves of that circle. Let's look at first verses 1 and 2, us blessing the Lord, and then verse 3, the Lord blessing us. We're called here to bless the Lord. Um, Maybe that sounds funny. Bless the Lord. What does that mean, really? How could you and I bless the Lord? Like, what does God need from me? (laughs) God doesn't need anything. God is the blessed one. He has everything he needs If all of us were to go poof and stop existing, God would not be diminished at all. God is eternally happy and full and joyful. God doesn't need any blessing. Like, what am I going to give God? God has everything. So so what does that mean for me to bless the Lord? God doesn't even sneeze. I mean, I can't even say, like, God bless you. Well, you're God. I can't bless you. Like, ah, I, I just, what does it mean to bless the Lord? Well, it means something different than when God blesses us. God blesses us, that's different than when we bless the Lord. They have a different connotation. When we bless the Lord, it's not that we're so much giving something to God that he lacks, but it's more that we're, we're recognizing and honoring who God is and, and that he is, in fact, so wonderful. It, it's us more like oh, standing in awe and wonder at who God is and his character and his nature and what he's done and, and just kind of letting our minds and our hearts be swelled up with, with joy in who God is. And, and so we, we say that. We say, God, you are this and you're that. We're blessing the Lord. 
So for us to bless the Lord is not so much that we're giving God something he lacks as it is we're recognizing God's completeness and perfection and it's spilling over in our words. So to bless the Lord means the same thing as to to worship the Lord or to honor the Lord or to praise the Lord, which is why you have this translation. That's why in verse 1 of this translation it says praise the Lord. It's a good translation. You can see, by the way, how hard it is to do Bible translation, can't you? Like, do you say, bless, because the word is bless, but then someone in English might say, what does it mean to bless the Lord? So then as a translator, you could say, praise, because that's what it means, but the word is bless. Do you see how tricky it is? Anyway, translation's interesting, but I digress. The point is, this is a call to bless and praise God. Look at verse 2. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless or praise the Lord. So again, this is us ascribing glory to God, lifting up the hands in praise. This, this is a very um, common biblical posture of prayer and praise. Uh, when we pray, we, we often are, is, we kind of put our, right, our hands together, we bow our heads, we do this. That's okay. There's no right posture. It's, it's not like one posture is more spiritual than another. Uh, God looks at the heart, not at our, our body position. But... It is common when, when someone is worshiping or praising God, at least in biblical accounts, that this would be the posture, something like this. Even in other ancient Near Eastern cultures, there, there are you know, drawings of people worshiping the deities like this. It's sort of a common worship posture. And it seems to be, the, the idea behind it seems to be that even as the worshiper is lifting up their heart to God, that, that kind of expresses itself through the body. So, so that the body is reflecting what the heart is doing, being lifted up toward God. You know, you're just like, God, you're so awesome. God, you're so good to us. Oh, I just, I'm so full. You know, God, praise you. We lift our hands. It's, it's kind of a natural progression from the heart to the hands. And so, uh, by the way, uh, you know, you're free to lift up your hands in our church. I hope you do if you feel so led. You don't have to. It doesn't make you more spiritual, but... If your heart is full of worship, I hope that you maybe some of you here have seen people doing this like in worship and you're from a different church background and you're like, what are they doing? What song? I didn't, shouldn't have come to the Baptist church. Is this going to get weird? Like, no. It's, it just, you know, if, if your heart's full, lift your hands. It's okay. It's a common biblical posture of worship. And I know for some of us, we're like, oh, I don't think I'd ever do that. I'm kind of a New Englander, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. Although, mm, I'd love to see you at a Red Sox game. (laughs) I'd love to see you at a Patriots game, right? Like, what happens when the Red Sox, you know, big poppy smacks one over the green monster? What do you do with your hands? You're like, woo! (laughs) Go, big poppy! (laughs) You're like Kermit the Frog, you know? You're like, woo! Planet of the Apes. I think you can lift your hands. Anyway, I digress. The point is, this psalm commands us to give honor and praise and glory to God, the kind of praise that that would overflow even into our bodies, the, the the kind of glory and majesty that we would ascribe to God as we praise Him and even lift up our hands and, more importantly, lift up our hearts to the Lord. 
and, and we just delight in who he is and we allow ourselves to be awed by the glory of God. The scriptures command this of us. This is one of our chief duties as a church. In fact, I would say job one of any church is to bless the Lord. This is the church's number one job. We have lots of jobs. We're called to do lots of things. But job one of every true church is to bless the Lord. That's the number one thing we do. We do a lot of things, but we gather here together. All the little embers out there on the south shore shining their little lights for Jesus, they gather together once a week, and and we become this bonfire as the embers come together, and the flames of, of passionate worship flow up to God as we all come together, and we're like, wow, God is good. Praise the Lord. Don't you think so? Yeah. Man, I've been talking to people all week. No one else thinks it's important to bless the Lord. Well, I do. All right, let's do it. And we're blessing the Lord together. That's one of our prime jobs. God is worthy of our praise. And he ain't getting it in this world. And that's got to change. And he's going to change it someday. He's going to get his praise. And so we're his people coming and saying, God, forgive us for not giving you the praise and the honor due your name. So it's important for us to get together regularly and bless the Lord. Of course, blessing the Lord and praising the Lord isn't just something we do privately, I mean, corporately, once for an hour on Sunday morning, you know, and then, well, that's it, service is done, we're done blessing the Lord. I mean, it's a a posture, it's a lifestyle, it's a way that we live uh, throughout the week. It's something that, that we need to do in all that we do, in our personal prayer lives, in the way we, we conduct our lives, in, in our attitudes during the week. Um, we need to keep telling ourselves to praise the Lord. I love what Psalm 103 says. Turn to Psalm 103. It's a great psalm. So in Psalm 134, the, the priest or whoever it is is telling the people to bless the Lord. In Psalm 103, here you have the psalmist telling himself to bless the Lord. Look at Psalm 103. He's talking to himself. It's a weird psalm. Here's a guy talking to himself, preaching a sermon to himself. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Come on, oh my soul, praise the Lord. Then he's he's like yelling at himself. He's like, soul, listen up, soul. Stop, you know, being so grumpy and negative and whiny and and fearful and complainy. And praise the Lord, soul. What's wrong with you, soul? Have you forgotten everything God's done for you, soul? You know, we, we need to do that because the world is not encouraging us to praise the Lord. The world is in rebellion against God. The world does not want God uppermost. The world wants itself uppermost. And I have sin within my own heart. So not only do I have circumstances and difficulties that would keep me from praising the Lord, not only do we go through the, the hard times of life and the difficult times of life and it's hard to praise God, but, but there's sin in my heart. I want to still be uppermost. There's still a part of me that's fighting against God. And, and so I need to preach to my soul, hey, soul, bless the Lord. 
Because no matter what you're going through, no no matter how bad your life is, no matter how deep the valley is you're in, God is still worthy of your praise. In fact, praise is a weapon in our spiritual battle. Praise is a mighty weapon that we can use as we're trying to fight the Christian fight and live the Christian life. When you're being overwhelmed by circumstances, praise is an offensive weapon. But we're like, I'm going to praise God in the face of all this and give him glory despite what I'm going through. And when you're feeling tempted by sin and being pulled by the world back to, to, to things you know you shouldn't be pulled back to or attitudes or patterns or relationships, it, it's, a, it's a time to say, you know what? That stuff is lame. I'm going to praise what's better. And, and so praise is, is just it's one of our tools in our toolbox. It's part of our Christian arsenal as we praise the Lord. And we've got to tell our souls that. The, the famous Welsh uh, preacher from the 20th century, Martin Lloyd-Jones, great preacher. By the way, his sermons are all online for free now. It's amazing. You just go online and listen to them. I, you know, sometimes I work out, I just listen to Martin Lloyd-Jones sermons. So good. Anyway, I digress. Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, said, kind of paraphrasing, he said, you know, one of the reasons so many Christians are so miserable so much of the time is because we spend so much time listening to ourselves and so little time talking to ourselves. We spend so much time listening to ourselves instead of talking to ourselves. Just listening to the dumb tapes that are in there, then who knows who put them in there. Instead of just saying, no, 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 no. That's not how I'm going to think. Come on, soul. Bless the Lord. We need to tell ourselves that God is worthy of our praise and, and worthy of our blessing. It's a weapon in the Christian life. Do you feel like praising the Lord this morning? Do you, are you struggling to bless the Lord this morning? Do you, do you not find that blessing welling up within your soul? What do you do when you don't feel like blessing? I have that happen to me sometimes. Sometimes I walk into this church service, confessions of a pastor. I walk into the church service to bless the Lord and to preach a sermon to you, and I don't feel like it at all. What do I do? You know, you can't, how do you get blessing going in your heart? One of the things you have to do is meditate on who God is and what He's done. Look back at Psalm 134. Turn back there to our, our main psalm. And then, once you get to Psalm 134, look at the psalm right beneath it, 135. Even though Psalm 135 is not a psalm of a sense, it's been viewed by many as a kind of companion psalm to 134 because a lot of the structure and, and language is the same, except Psalm 135 expands on why we should praise the Lord. So I, I kind of think of Psalm 135 as the footnotes to Psalm 134, kind of like, bless the Lord. And if you want to see why, read these footnotes, Psalm 135. But look at here's reasons to bless the Lord. Look at verse, so it starts off, verses 1 and 2, praise the Lord, name of the Lord, Psalm 135. Praise him, you servants of the Lord, you who minister in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Sounds similar to Psalm 134. But why? Verse 3, here's a reason. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Man, he's good. Even the best things in this life are tainted. But God is pure good all the time. Here's something that you can savor as good that won't go bad. Or that you'll think is good and then actually turns out not to be so good, like everything else in life. 
But God is good. Verse 5, God is great. I know that the Lord is great, that our God is greater than all gods. Verse 6, the Lord does whatever pleases him. God is so great, he is so absolutely sovereign that he does whatever he wants. He's good and he does anything he wants. And there's no law that can stop him. There's no executive order that can stop him. There's no army that can stop him. He's God and he does everything that pleases him. And he's good. Or verse 8, he's a savior. The Israelites remember in verse 8 how he struck down the firstborn of Egypt and rescued the Israelites from slavery. We look back and we remember that Jesus Christ carried our cross, that he, uh, he was our Passover lamb, that Jesus helped us escape from sin and from, from hell and from judgment. And so we're like, wow, God is my Savior. He saved me. He's not only so great and awesome up there, but he carried my cross. Bless the Lord. Then verse 13, just one more. Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your renown, O Lord, through all generations. Praise God because he's eternal. Everything ends except God. And those who trust in the Lord will never end. I mean, everything ends. Relationships end. Money ends. Nations end. The best pleasures end. But God never ends. There's so many, you know, we can just go on and on and on and on and on. But, you know, get your soul stoked up on who God is. Remind yourself. Read his word. Uh, You know, sometimes it helps me. I pop in a a CD. There's so much Christian music available these days, so much good music. Pop a CD in your CD player while you're driving around in your Maserati, you know. Just pop it in and crank up some, you know, worship music and, and just let other people help lead you in blessing the Lord. Go for a walk. Look at creation. Think about the awesomeness of God. Talk to your soul. It takes some work. And then as we all get together as a church, we're coming to bless the Lord together. Bless the Lord. This is job one as a church. Well, listen, I want to do something weird. I don't know if it's weird. It's different for us. But, um, you know, I'll try anything twice. So, uh, here's what we're going to try. I just want to hit pause on the sermon right now, and I think it would be good for us to bless the Lord. So I actually asked the praise team to come up. I had them prepare a song, and I thought we should just pause and bless the Lord as a church. So I could ask you guys to stand, and we're going to sing a song. Um, imagine we're the Israelites, and God has just told, and the, the priests have just been commanding us to bless the Lord. Well, let's obey, and let's do this. Let's bless the Lord and sing a song of praise together. Then we'll be seated, and I'll keep preaching.
We bless the Lord, and then we pray for the Lord to bless us. That's verse 3 of Psalm 134. May the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. And so again, our blessing of God and God's blessing of us are related, but they're distinct. When we bless God, we're not adding anything to God that He lacks, but we are instead saying true good things about who God is. But when God blesses us, He's saying good things to us, except when God says good things, good things come into existence. That's the difference. His word is power. We're just acknowledging who God is, but when God says, bless you, blessing happens because God speaks and things are created. And so God's blessing of us is Him adding things to us. We're the opposite of God. Like, we totally need God's blessing. If you don't have God's blessing, you have nothing. If you don't have God's blessing, you're, you're, you're gone. There, there is no life without God's blessing. In fact, we could say this, that every good thing that's ever happened to you, big, small, or in between, is a blessing from God. Everything. Every good gift comes down from above, from God. If you've experienced any good thing ever in your life, from the smallest laugh with friends to the biggest gift you've ever received, it was a blessing from God. We don't tend to think of it that way. We, we uh, see someone who's done well in life and we say, boy, that, she's really successful. Or we say, wow, he's really, uh, he's, he's fortunate. That guy, oh, wow, that person's real lucky. Boy, they hit life's lottery, right? But the biblical way of looking at it is to say, that person is blessed by God. Even if the person doesn't believe in God, they can still be blessed by God. This side of heaven, God blesses people who don't believe in him. He sends his reign upon the righteous and upon the unrighteous, Jesus said. God's blessing is upon the world in all kinds of people. And so even atheists who deny that God exists are still being blessed by God as they're uttering breath saying, saying God does not exist. That breath that they're expelling is a gift from God that they're using to, to blaspheme him. But he's so merciful and he's so patient. He just keeps blessing and blessing this side of eternal life. And so we have nothing without God's blessing. God's blessing is everything. To not have God's blessing is the definition of hell. Hell is the place where God's blessing will finally and forever be revoked. And there will only be curse. And so, we need God to bless us. The psalmist is saying, Lord, bless, may the Lord bless you. Here's the priest praying for them. And of course, they needed God's blessing in their lives. Uh, You know, these Israelites are going back to their farms and their herds and flocks. And so, they needed rain and they needed, um, you know, protection from Uh, locusts, and they needed fertility for their sheep to have bigger flocks. They needed all these blessings. They needed that uh, God's blessing of protection from enemy raiders that would come in, all kinds of blessings like that. And so they're saying, Lord, bless us, protect us, keep us alive. But as we turn to the New Testament, we see that the blessings of God have been elevated and escalated to not only include, of course, prayers for God's blessings in our physical lives, but also for God to bless us spiritually Uh, Let let me show you. Uh, We looked at Psalm 135 as reasons to praise God. Let me look at a a short list of reasons, ways that God has blessed us. Uh, Put a bookmark here. I want you to turn to the New Testament, to Ephesians chapter 1. 
Ephesians chapter 1 is this catalog of blessing. I'm sorry, it's on page 1156. Ephesians chapter 1. Page 1156. Here's Paul cataloging not our physical earthly blessings, but our spiritual blessings, which are even greater than our earthly blessings in Christ. Verse 3 of Ephesians 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So praise the Lord, bless the Lord. Why? Because he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So if you're a Christian, if you've repented of your sins and put your faith in Jesus, if you're trusting in Christ alone for your eternal life, you've received every spiritual blessing. Like what? Well, like being chosen, verse 4. He chose us in him before the creation of the world. Here's another blessing. To be holy and blameless in his sight. God is going to make sure that someday I become holy and blameless. That's awesome. I'm so sick of my sin nature. I can't wait till I'm holy and blameless perfectly. Right? Uh, uh, Adoption, verse 5. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. If you have Christ, you're a son and daughter of God. You belong to Him. Forgiveness, verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins. My sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ's blood on the cross. And we could go on and on. We could talk about the knowledge of God in these verses. We could talk about the Holy Spirit down in verses 13 and 14. Spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing. It's amazing what God has done for us. God has blessed us so richly as Christians. And so we need God's blessing. That's part of the circle of blessing, is that we're not only blessing God for who He is, but we're also coming to Him acknowledging that, that He's the spiritual multi-billionaire and we're the, we're, the, we're the beggars. We're acknowledging that God is the source of all life and we're the dying people who need His life. We're acknowledging that He is the Savior and we are the sinners in need of salvation. And so we come with our hands lifted up, blessing God, but we also come with our hands opened up, seeking His blessing, saying, God, if you don't save, if you don't give me life, God, I have nothing. I have nothing without you. Oh, Lord, I'm in need of you. And so we bless God and we ask for His blessing upon us. We hold out empty hands like children saying to to the parent, can I have some, please? Father, bless me, because we are a sinful and needy people in need of God's grace and forgiveness. So the priest commands, or whoever, I keep saying the priest, but whoever this person leading the psalm in the congregation is, uh, commands the people to bless the Lord. But then at the end of Psalm 134, he prays for them. He says, may the Lord bless you. So I'd like to do that. I'd like to pause the sermon again. And I want to pray God's blessing on you. Just pray that God would bless you physically and spiritually. So, can I have you guys stand one more time? And let me pray for you. Let's pray. And why don't you start by praying yourselves. What is it that you need today? Where where do you need God's blessing in your life? Would you just ask Him for that blessing? privately in your own prayer.
Now, can you think of somebody who desperately needs the blessing of God in their life? Maybe they need to be saved. Maybe it's someone you know who's going through a terrible time. Would you just pray silently for that person? And now may the Lord bless you. Father, I pray that you would bless this congregation. God, I pray for brothers and sisters and friends here who are struggling, who are ill, that you would strengthen their bodies. I pray for those with broken hearts and confused minds, that you'd give them peace, that they would just rest in your care. God, I pray for folks here who are out of work or just don't have enough work or are barely getting the money in to live on. Oh God, would you provide the resources they need as they look to you? God, I pray for those here who are having a lot of stress in family relationships. Oh God, I pray for peace. I pray for revival within families. God, we pray for wayward children to come back. God, we pray for the blessing of of closed-off, hardened parents to open up. God, we pray for spiritual blessings. I pray for, for us to see our sin and be able to repent of it. Lord, would you bless us with true spiritual insight? God, we pray for the blessing of unity in this church. Lord, would you unite our church as a family? Would you uh, uh, give us the blessing of being able to forgive one another if there are tensions within this body? God, we pray for the blessing of revival in our hearts. Oh, Lord, we need to be clothed with power from on high. Lord, we need you to be in our midst. God, we pray for the blessing of seeing people converted. We pray for the blessing of seeing new churches planted. Oh, God, send your blessing on this church. We have nothing without you. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. So that's the circle of blessing. We bless the Lord, and the Lord blesses us. That's the content. But now I'd just like to close and ask about the context. Why then is this circle of blessing the perfect conclusion to the Psalms of Ascent? Why is this the right psalm to end with, or a, a good psalm to end with? in the Psalms of Ascent. And I think it's this. This is, this is what, what my thinking has led me. If the Psalms of Ascent are about the pilgrimage to Jerusalem, then the circle of blessing is nothing less than the destination of the pilgrimage. Where are we going on this pilgrimage? How about the pilgrimage of the Christian life that we're on? We're, okay, we're on a pilgrimage, but to where? What's the destination? And the destination is the full experience of the circle of blessing. You know, we as Christians uh, will sometimes say that, you know, we're, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. This world's not our home anymore. We're going to another place. Well, where are you going? You say, well, I'm going to heaven. Well, to be more theologically accurate, you should say the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth. But yeah, we're going there. 
okay, why would you want to go there? Just because it's new? You know, it'd be kind of cool to see a new universe. No, I mean, why? What is it about the new creation that we would want to go there and make a pilgrimage there and put up with all the stuff you've got to put up with as a Christian in life? What's so great about this place? May I suggest that what makes the new heavens and the new earth so wonderful and so worthy of pilgrimage is because that is the place where the circle of blessing will be most fully and forever manifested. In the new creation is where we will glorify God, where the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters fill the sea. That's what's there is God and his glory and and the worship of God. And and that's the place of great blessing where there's no more tears. What does it say in Revelation? No more death, no more illness, no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Oh, can't wait. The old order's done. A new order with God and blessing. And nothing interfering, no, no alloyed uh, sin or evil mixed in with that. The destination, the new heavens, the new earth is the place where actually the two sides of the circle really become one. Where God's glory and the enjoyment of God's glory is the blessing. Where God himself and Jesus Christ forever become the blessing. Can you wait until you could finally fully savor and satisfy your soul in in the perfections of God without anything getting in the way? Right? I'm not going to be getting sick and my sickness isn't going to be blocking my blessing. You know, and I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to have sin in my heart. I'm, there's not going to be anything competing in my heart for the glory of God. Finally, unencumbered by sin and sorrow and disease and death and a new body, no longer aching and painting. I've got to bless the Lord, but oh, my elbow hurts. None of that. Free from sin and all of its effects. Free from all of the brokenness of this world. Free to delight our souls in the most wonderful thing there is, which is the glory of God. Free at last to enjoy the Lord in the full circle of blessing. And so that's why I say Psalm 134. It's not just a good conclusion of the Psalm of Ascents. This is the purpose of of the life, of life, the universe, and everything for us as Christians. This is the meaning of life, to seek this circle of blessing. And so, to my fellow pilgrims, don't give up. Don't grow weary. You can't quit now. You're too far in. And there's too much at stake. And you say, ah, oh, but it's hard. Man, it, it's nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. When you finally get there to see the Lord freed from sin and sorrow, when you see the hell that you've been saved from, <laughs> when you see the eternal life to which you've been saved into, uh, this life is going to seem pretty small that the worst sufferings in this life will be like it'll be like your breath on a cold morning 
just gone. As you embrace the blessing of God and you bless him as well. So don't give up. You've got to keep following Christ. You can't give up now. It's all worth it. It's all worth it. And if you're not on the pilgrimage, can I just implore you, invite you, beg you, put a spiritual shepherd's crook around you? (laughs) Come on. You need the Lord. You're going, right? If you don't have Christ, you are currently on a path to the world of no blessing forever. How could you expect to be blessed by God if you reject his son? The path of blessing is through the Savior whom God has sent. You need Jesus. You need to repent of your sins. You need to put your faith in Christ. Because the circle of blessing is open. It's open for all who will look to Jesus and who will cling to him and persevere in him throughout their lives. It's all worth it. So keep on keeping on, brothers and sisters. The circle of blessing lies ahead. And in fact, we've already begun to enter it. Let's pray. Oh Lord, I pray that you would keep us faithful, keep us persevering on this pilgrimage as we are making our ascent to eternal life, God. I pray Keep us strong. Keep us praising you along the way, Lord. Strengthen the the praise muscles in our soul. Make us better blessers, people who know how to bless you and live in blessing, God. And I pray that we would savor especially the spiritual blessings you give us and to savor eternal life that lies ahead. And God, I do pray for anyone here who doesn't know Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus, would you just show them who you are? Open their eyes. That's what you did for us. We weren't looking for you. You came and found us. Oh God, would you find some more, we pray. In your name, Jesus, amen.